Welcome to InsideCatholicPhilly.com, where we explore the Catholic faith as it's experienced in church and in everyday life. I'm your host, Gina Christian, here with our editor, Matt Gambino. And along with our guests, we discuss the Catholic take on everything from sacraments and Sunday Mass to social media and sports, based on CatholicPhilly.com's award-winning news and commentary. Thanks so much for spending a few moments with us here at CatholicPhilly.com. I'm your host, Gina Christian. Our editor, Matt Gambino, is on assignment, but he joins us in spirit. And speaking of spirit, we're delighted to welcome a friend who's just written a column to help us get into the Christmas spirit. Father Thomas Daly is the John Cardinal Foley Chair of Homiletics and Social Communications at St. Charles Borromeo Seminary in Wynwood, Pennsylvania. Father, great to have you here. Thanks, Gina. It's nice to be back. All right, Father, I'm going to get right to the point here with a hard-hitting journalist question. Do you have your Christmas decorations up yet? No, I do not. I haven't gotten around to it yet. I just did mine. They're very much a work in progress. But in your column, you talk about Christmas imagery. And the first thing that came to my mind is this temptation to turn Christmas decorations and really the whole celebration of the holiday itself into a competition. And I have to be honest, I'm a bit guilty of that since a good friend of mine does Christmas par excellence when it comes to the holiday home decor. So at the risk of calling out the obvious, why is this this a bad idea? Well, because of the obvious, it's certainly not about a competition, but I think the push towards that is simply the magnificence of Christmas and the delight of the decorations. And everybody wants to get them up early and get the lights working and get the tree decorated. It's just a seeking of that great joyousness in this time of year. I have one neighbor who put his Christmas decorations up before Halloween. That's a little overzealous, I would think. Well, yeah, that may be because the weather was a little nicer, but yes, that's a bit too early. Well, one thing that I've noticed, obviously, Christmas has a real mix of imagery, and I don't think that reindeer and candy canes were present at the initial nativity scene, and I don't think they're leaving the party anytime soon either, but in your latest column, you really break down what works, what doesn't work, and why. So can you walk us through some of the imagery and, as I said, what works, what doesn't work? Well, sure. I mean, I think certainly from a Christian vantage point, the decorating and the imagery is all about the nativity. And certainly since the time of St. Francis of Assisi, we have the nativity scene, the creche. He created it, right? He actually had asked someone in the town of Greccio, who was a worker in the area, and he had asked him to set up kind of a living scene, sort of to bring to life the stories of Christmas. And when St. Francis of Assisi came back from wherever he had been traveling, the laborer had set up what we know nowadays as the nativity scene. Although I'm told there were no statues like we would use, but rather the people of the town gathered around and they became the sort of living actors in the scene. Why did Francis feel that was important? Well, I think that the idea is to make this story come to life. The sights and the sounds and the sensible quality of it really, I think, touches, inspires, kind of moves people to the reality of the scene. Everyone's familiar with the experience of a newborn baby, of a child being born. And of course, the wonder at this being God is the religious theme, but everyone can relate to, can connect with, can visualize, can hear, can see, can smell everything that's going on. And it becomes then not just a religious story in a book, but a living 
action that people can relate to. And that's hard to grasp sometimes that Christ really was a baby. Oh, that's the wonder of it all. That's, I think, what people intuit and grasp without too much thinking about it. It's what makes the scene so beautiful. That's a theology lesson that says more in an image than it ever would in words. You know, of course, we're always going to have a few people, actually several people, who say, well, Christ really wasn't born in a stable. When you look at the historical context in which he was born, a lot of what we kind of take for granted in our imagery really doesn't bear out historically. People say it wasn't a stable and such. How does that work? I mean, we're accustomed to these images of a stable, of, you know, maybe even snow dusting the top of the stable, certain animals. Being there, How do we work through this if we know from our scholarship that maybe this wasn't the case? Well, I think knowing the facts and the history is one thing. And, you know, culturally speaking, it would be kind of strange to think that Joseph and Mary would be all alone, that they would have no relatives, that no one would be taking care of them, especially since hospitality is such a huge value in Middle Eastern cultures. And Elizabeth and Zachariah wouldn't have been too far. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. Mary had already so, visited. So. Certainly there, there were probably relatives, long lost relatives maybe, but even if there weren't, the value of hospitality is so cherished that somebody would have taken care of them. Now, that's the simple fact. But stories go way beyond that. And I think the traditions, the Christmas carols, the tradition since St. Francis of the Christmas crash and the bringing in the townspeople and the sort of life scene that we know is what we insert into the story. And to dramatize that or to visualize that in some sort of image or spectacle, I think is what simply appeals to people. Well, and at the risk of doing a little overly creative theology here, it almost brings to mind what happens at the Eucharist when we represent the event on Calvary. When we represent Christ's death and resurrection, we are recreating that, not in the same theological sense here, but it it moves in that direction. Am I correct? It does in the sacramental sense that the nativity scene, like any of the sacraments, has a tangible sense to it, has a visual sense to it. I can see this. I can touch this. I can relate to it. I can connect to it, we would say, in our new media age. And that power of the image and that power to be able to insert myself into the story, to become part of what I see and what I hear and what I know, that, I think, is what draws people to it. That, I think, is what amazes people about it. And I think that ultimately is what just delights people in their Christmas decorations. Now, something that a lot of Christians do, probably unthinkingly, is they kind of keep a mixed cast of characters. So the nativity scene, I've seen this on lawns, will sit amidst a row of candy canes or Santa Claus perhaps kneeling or Rudolph off in the corner. How do we get these guys to sit at the table with the players in the nativity scene? I mean, is it appropriate or should those images be stripped out? Well, again, I think if we understand the scene in a big sense, if we understand the drama that's taking place, that our God, out of the abundance of his grace, wants to enter into our lives. Historically, that happened in a Middle Eastern setting. Historically, again, or traditionally, it happened in the scene that St. Francis and his followers first designed. Nowadays, it happens in our cities and in our towns, in the scene of life in which we live. So while merging them, you know, the various characters and times and places might rub against the artistic 
backbone a little bit and great against that. I think the idea of welcoming the baby Jesus into life as we know it and as we live it is what is so appealing. Now, another thing that tends to occur is that we only really reflect on Christ as an infant at this time of year. We seem to forget that throughout the year, but in your column, you point towards images and spectacles that have year-round value. How can keeping the infant Jesus in mind throughout the year help us grow in holiness? Well, I think what we keep in mind is not the infant per se or the infancy of Jesus, but the fact of his having been born and having been a child and having lived a fully human life and having grown up. I mean, we don't want him to stay a child the whole time. Uh, We do want him to grow up because he's got the whole Good Friday and Easter thing to do as an adult in addition to all his teachings and everything else. But the power of the child Jesus or the infant Jesus and infancy narratives in the Gospels is to tell us that this God so loves the world that he becomes not just one of us, but one just like us. And that's the connection that we want to think about always. Father Thomas Daly, well said. I feel ready for Christmas now, although I will take you to task for not fully having your Christmas decorations up. I'm going to wait for some more snow. (laughs) I hope you'll come back soon. Thank you so much. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to you, too. So you've heard our thoughts. What about yours? Reach out to us and let us know. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Catholic Philly or visit us online at catholicphilly.com. Thanks so much to Matt Gambino, the editor of catholicphilly.com. I'm your host, Gina Christian. And until next time, may God bless and keep you. Transforming lives. That's what the Society of St. Vincent de Paul of Philadelphia is all about. Called to service by our Catholic values, we work directly with our neighbors in need to help with the most basic necessities. Our lives are transformed, as are hopefully those we serve. Visit svdp-phila.info to see how you can join with us to help. That's svdp-phila.info. This podcast has been a production of CatholicPhilly.com. Music by Dustin Taylor Phillips. For more information, visit us online at CatholicPhilly.com.